0: Greetings, fellow theologians and Bible students. Pastor Paul here on a Tuesday morning. Let's check it out. November 14th. So glad that you have joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. Again, what we do is we study together the passage that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday. And the goal of doing this is that you're not just receiving Bible information, but we're actually wrestling through a passage together. You're seeing sort of how I approach a text, what goes into thinking about its meaning, its context, and hopefully this will give you some tools to utilize in your own study of God's word. So we are up to uh, Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to be finishing um, Matthew 12 um, this week. And so we're going to look be looking at verses 43 through 50. So let me read the passage, and let's dig in for this morning. <clears throat> Matthew 12, 43. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister, and mother. So going back to think about the context here, um, Jesus has been preaching with authority, teaching with authority, healing with authority. And the more he does this, the more he reveals his true nature, his character, his identity, his power, the more opposition this elicits from the Pharisees because they know this comes at a great cost to them. See, Jesus is not just um, teaching, proclaiming the kingdom, he's also denouncing them for their false religion, hypocrisy, and man-centered approach to, to dealing with God. And so Jesus has had a lot of choice things to, to, to tell them, just in terms of the, the blasphemy of the spirit which they're engaged in, attributing works of Satan um, to him, instead of to to God, um, he talked last time. Our passage last week about an evil and adulterous nation. So when we come to this passage, and in this section concludes, um, we have to understand these are not just random tidbits, illustration stories that Matthew drops in, sort of uh, ad hominem, okay, or ad hoc. the the, the these These connect in some way. And illustrate in some way to what Jesus has been engaged in telling the Pharisees. Okay, and one of the ways that we get a clue to this, okay, is um, so. For example, go back to, to to verse thirty-nine. They ask him for a sign, and he says, "An evil and adulterous nation seeks for a sign." Okay. Then he seemingly goes into this. Um, parable story illustration about an unclean spirit. And it seems that on the surface, this doesn't tie in. This doesn't make any sense. Why, why is he sharing this? What does it mean? Well, look at verse 45, and this gives us a clue. He talks about the evil spirit, and he, and he ends up saying the last state of that person is worse than the first. Now listen, so also will it be with this evil generation. So in actuality, even though we don't know how yet, this is tied to what has gone before. That whatever Jesus has been teaching previously about an evil and adulterous nation and their hard hearts and the fact that they had uh, already made up their minds about Jesus, the fact that they were they were hard-hearted and um, dealing only with life and their relationship with God in terms of the externals and not the heart, that somehow this illustration about an unclean spirit ties into that some way. He goes into verse 43, he talks about this unclean spirit, goes out of a person, um, it looks for rest, it returns to the house or the person it once was in, um, finds things in order, but then brings seven more spirits with it, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. Okay. You're like, hmm, what does that mean? So, also, whatever it means, it ties to the Pharisees. So, also, will it be with this evil generation? So, what we want to do this morning is is camp out on verses forty three through forty five. Now, some have gone to great lengths to talk about demonology. Okay, the spiritual realm, spiritual warfare, and have have developed great theological systems based upon. These passages about waterless places and how the the demon is seeking rest and and what does that mean and 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 the fact that he returns with seven is there some sort of symbolic meaning to that number et cetera et cetera et cetera and let me just say while I don't think those questions are unimportant they aren't the main point okay certainly we might could say that demons. Um, are most at home when they are occupied with their chief mission of tormenting people, right? So in that sense, we, 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 we can gather a truth from this, that either a demon is in the abyss or a demon is meddling with someone, um, possessing someone up to mischief, uh, but they're not content to being in the Netherlands. I mean, th- that would be an example of, I think, something we could rightly ascertain from this text. But we need to be careful that we don't focus too much on those things because I don't think that's the primary point of the message. The primary point of the message is that the person who is possessed here has the demon leave and then has the demon return this person illustrates the state or the condition of the Pharisees, okay? And so that, that, that's, that's, that's the connection here. And, and, and here's a couple of things that I, I want to point out to us, okay? First of all, it says you have this person who is possessed by an unclean spirit, and the unclean spirit leaves. It doesn't say how it leaves. It doesn't say it was exercised or cast out you get the sense that it just left of its own volition or it just grew bored, okay? I, I don't know. It wanted to find some more, somewhere more hospitable, okay? And so um, then the demon leaves and then it says the person sort of gets their affairs in order once the demon leaves. They tidy up, they sweep, they, they, put, they clean up. And this, I think, is is an illustration of the fact that for the Pharisees, um, all the sort of reform that they did really kind of fell into the realm of what we would call behavioral modification. In other words, they were polishing the deck of the Titanic. They were reordering the surface things in their life, certain rules and regulations, without it really impacting their heart. They were sort of relying on rituals versus relational reality with God. And and so we see this sometimes like when people make behavioral modifications without even addressing the matters of the heart. Things can appear to be okay on the surface, but underneath things are still rotten to the core. That's what's happening with this person in this illustration. The demon leaves and the person kind of gets their affairs in order they 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 create a more hospitable environment for for reform okay but notice what it says the house remains empty and i think that that's that's jesus way of saying there there may be sort of rearranging the deck chairs on the titanic i keep talking about the titanic sorry keep keep rearranging the deck chairs on the titanic but nothing underneath the structure has changed there there is no in dwelling of God's Spirit, there is no, there, there may be a denial of certain behaviors, but there is no embracing of the life giving work of the Spirit where real change comes from. And so, because of that, because nothing has moved in to occupy the place of this evil spirit, it remains empty. And then, guess what happens? Seven more spirits return and dwell there, and the state of that person is worse than the first. And I think this is Jesus's way of showing us, this is exactly where man-made religion gets you, right? It's like kind of like playing whack-a-mole at Chuck E. Cheese, that um, different sins, struggles pop up in different ways and you bat one down and you hammer one mole or whatever on the head, but another pops up, right? And that's the way sin is, right? It, it may not manifest itself in this way, but it's going to manifest itself in some way. And the way that you really battle against sin with a heart of faith and repentance is that there is a heart transformation that happens through the power of the Spirit. And Jesus is saying, you guys are not appropriating God's power and Spirit and relationship in your life. You're looking to the surface, you're looking to the externals, and it doesn't change anything. In fact, it leaves you in a worse place than when you began. And this is evidenced by the Pharisees themselves, right? Um, they were in a hardened place before Jesus came. But after Jesus came, they were even in a worse spot because they had rejected the Son of God, the Messiah, um, in sort of their hard-heartedness. Okay, what does this teach us? Well, lots of things, right? Um, that we, we're gonna only have surface-level success if we are engaged in surface-level behavior uh, modification. Uh, we're only gonna have surface-level success if we don't engage the heart, right? Uh, which means not just trying to change our behaviors on our own, but bringing our hearts and asking Jesus to work in and through us um, through his word, through prayer, and through the Spirit. Now, we're gonna go tomorrow to verses 46 through 50, because this is gonna get a sense of how is that relational reality with Jesus and his Spirit determined? How how does that happen? What does that mean? And that's where we'll pick it up tomorrow. All right, Lord, we admit, we confess, we need a heart transformation from the inside out. So by your grace, by your power, by your spirit, work in us today. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.